And I mean, it can be hard when you're a youth worker or a school youth worker, when you're by yourself and you don't have a whole team, you know, most parishes might, you're, you're, you're either volunteer or you're 10 hours a week <laughs> um, yeah. and you don't have a lot of resources and you don't have a uh -huh. lot of much of anything. Um, and I remember going from being in a team, you know, doing two years of net, one on a local parish, one is traveling around really a retreat ministry. And then uh -huh. I'm like, I'm ready as a youth worker. And I got a job as a parish youth worker, a single parish youth worker. And I, the first thing I thought was, where's the team? Like, it's me. Welcome to the Huntley Leadership Podcast, helping leaders be a positive catalyst in the people they support, the organizations they serve, and the communities they live. This podcast will make you think, laugh, and grit your teeth with new determination to make your parish or business a place of transformation passion, and purpose. If you're still breathing, you are powered for impact. Hello and welcome to the Huntley Leadership Podcast. My name is Ron and I am your host today. I often forget to talk about the blog, the newsletter, and if you haven't noticed yet, the new brand launch. Thank you to Coasting Created for all the work they've been doing behind the scenes to help us to uh, have a clear message that engages people in the conversation of leadership. It's so fun to work with those guys and to, to do all these tools and provide all these tools, I should say, for you. Um, so thanks for joining us. Uh, I'm so excited today to talk about, in a sense, punching above your weight class. There's a church community that I've had the privilege of knowing for years uh, that's relatively small in size, but ginormous in impact. I'm so excited to have this conversation because it, it focuses specifically around the impact we can have on on young lives, actually all lives, but certainly connecting with them at a place when they're young. And so I'd like to welcome to the show today, Kim Katie. Kim, welcome to the show. Thank you. Good to be here. <laughs> so <laughs> tell, give people some perspective. We're talking, you're, you're coming in from, from Brisbane uh, in Australia. Mm -hmm. And um, and I joked about talking Australian before this is over. You're going to talk Canadian. <laughs> so let's see what happens. Yeah. And, uh, it's, yeah. <laughs> and so give people some perspective about the Emmanuel uh, Charismatic Community, if you would. Okay. So Emmanuel Community in Brisbane is probably the first Australian founded charismatic community. Um, began 48 years ago, wow. um, with a little, little group of people and they, it just kind of grew and grew and grew and uh 48 years later um here here we find ourselves we've got about 250 members and then a lot of partners and friends that come along and um we now call ourselves i guess or describe ourselves as a mission community or manual is oh. a home for mission because we have so many of our ministries that are thriving and we probably spearhead uh with with mission um, and just like the church, you know, have a home for mission, which is our community where we find belonging and, and are known and needed, as we like to say. Known and needed. That's beautiful. Your community's grown quite a bit since the last time we connected. Like, it's been a while. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it was closer to 150. And so that's that's significant growth. That's congratulations yes. on that. I, I love that that image of um, 
a missional home, a missional community. Like, isn't that in in essence like? Wouldn't it be cool as parishes if that was our our image of who we were, our self identity as a, a yeah. missional community? Like we send people, <laughs> like like what a yeah. neat self image versus we're a place where people come, and and you know well sure, but only to be equipped and sent. That's what I hear in your description. Yes, I think it, it is a passion that um, has sprung out of our leadership over the years. Um, and, you know, there's always going to be that wrestle between um, communion and mission, but it really shouldn't be a wrestle. It needs to be both ends. And yes. um, you can kind of argue about which comes first, the chicken or the egg. But in reality, you know, we're joining Christ in his mission, um, mm. which is to renew the church. And, that, and I mean, if charismatic renewal is a renewal to renew, and uh, originally the, the charismatic renewal was not meant to be a movement, infiltrate the whole church as if everyone uh, was um had that grace and certainly now you know the pope is pope francis is saying it's not a it's not a spirituality it's a grace to be shared and i insist that you share that with the whole church uh, so we want to share you know share that grace because it's powerful and life-changing the holy spirit's life-changing <laughs> amen well, so so just to put some perspective too, because you know you have a, a community of two hundred and fifty missionaries in many sense, like people yeah. that are just sold out for Christ and and to come together for worship, but more than that, in terms of the impact that they feel called to have, and and I, I remember coming there, visiting in Brisbane, and you invited me to come to one of the Ignite Youth Nights, and holy jumpings, I thought you know, the music was unbelievable, all these young people leading praise and worship, and full-on band, stage, lights. The energy in the room was so high. I was totally exhausted from the flight, of course. But uh, well, I just couldn't get over, because we're not that tough in Canada. Uh, I couldn't get over the impact I was seeing and, and the, 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 the number of people and the joy. and Like, how many people would be at those types of youth events? And was that an event or was that a night? Like, tell me a little, tell us a little yeah, bit about your structure in terms of youth. Well, there's just, I have a thousand questions. I want to ask them all at once. That's not helpful. <laughs> so I'm going to back up because I am getting really excited. <laughs> How did you get into youth ministry? Like, what did that look like? At what point? Because I know you lead it mm-hmm. now. And so, but at what point did you begin to lead it? Maybe that's what we'll talk about. I began to lead it, uh, when did I begin? About six years ago. Uh, so my husband, Patrick, was the director of Ignite Youth at the time. So I kind of was uh, the pastoral coordinator and the high school coordinator under him. Uh-huh. Uh, and then he um, moved into uh, being the leader of the, the whole community. Uh-huh. Um, and then I became the director of Ignite Youth. So that was about six years ago six or seven years ago what was that like to follow um, in his footsteps like that's kind of cool like that doesn't happen every day in terms of yeah yeah so we went through a process a really kind of open process lots of consultation with people Uh, we were really passionate about um even when you know when you work in the church and you work in the church with your spouse or your family or your children you always want to work hard to um, not give them 
um, you know, a fast track into leadership that, that they didn't earn or they didn't earn right. right. Yeah. Um, but also not block. So our principle has always been, um, consultation and, okay. and having, uh, that vulnerability with other people that can tell us what they think and not push each other into leadership or, uh, unless other people are like, but that person can do that job. And so we tried to not push, but not block is kind of, you know, how we approached it. And we approached that with our adult children that way as well. So we went through that process and, um, I think because I was probably already like the two I see, the natural two I see of Ignite. And uh-huh. I was running a lot of the events around the big national conference that we run in two cities in Australia. Um, I was running the high school ministry. I was running the um, <laughs> the pastoral side of things as a counsellor. So I just naturally was probably the, the next person sure. in, in line, in the pipeline. <laughs> oh, it's beautiful because it does suggest two things. One, that, that, that uh, a community of 250 has a pipeline. Uh, and it also, <laughs> that, that's a bigger deal than you think it is. Uh, and, and yeah. then, and then also that there's this discernment, like there's this group discernment. I love that. Don't push, yeah. don't block. And, and, and yet we're yeah. going to consult because we're going to discern together. That, that's so healthy. And, oh, I'm going to keep losing my. Yeah, but at least that one didn't go on the floor this time, so that's a, yeah, that's a win. That's true. That's, that's true. a win. I'll just keep reminding me to press it in. Um, <laughs> I think. Um, what what was what were we? Were we? Yeah, I think we were talking about your ears and how nicely shaped they are yeah, for earbuds. Right. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's yeah. I don't how even know at this are. point. <laughs> one of the things you said, which I think is cool, we were talking a little bit about discernment, but. I don't want this to get lost because you said it as a throwaway line. And it's like, okay, guys, listen to this. They have a community of 250 people and they run a national youth conference in two cities. Like a lot of churches, five times your size, can't have a youth night once a week. Uh, and and you guys run a national conference in two different cities in Australia out of a community. Of, so how big of a role, like, is it like, wow, this community just happens to have Kim Keedy living in that community and therefore they get credit for her amazing stuff they really don't do anything they offer up the odd prayer of intercession uh, but she just does it all she just happens to live there so they get all the credit is it that situation or is it no as a community this is part of our identity and so it's part of how we organize ourselves and support what it is we feel called to do What, what which one is it I think we've probably followed what the charisms of the renewal have been from the beginning, which is youth and worship. And those things have always been at the forefront of our community. Whether we chose that or not, it, it has happened that way. When huh. sometimes um, the community might be strong and then a youth ministry starts, uh, which probably was the case at the beginning 48 years ago, but they were young people. They were young families coming together and feeling called by God to live a lifestyle, live a way of life together. And they've grown. And so now we've become intergenerational. But at the beginning, it was was lots of young families and lots of young people. And I think um, I had a lot of mentors when I arrived in the community, you know, 30 years ago 
uh, the leaders of the time did have a passion for youth ministry. I mean, um, this is where Net Australia sprung out of, you know, um, the leaders of the community were sent over to America to check out this net thing and brought it back. And originally it was, you know, ran by Emmanuel and then eventually net got so big that they, you know, have gone out in their own, but we still share everything. We still share offices. We share people resources. We share practical resources. So youth ministry, um, really under a couple of people, really powerhouses in our community, I would say. Uh, have really modelled uh, youth ministry and um, evangelization as something that you can give your whole life to, regardless of your age or stage of life. Right. And so I think I've followed that from when I arrived here at 17 years old in Brisbane to do net. Uh, and Stop I, it. that's where, really? you know, <laughs> yeah. So that's I arrived so here cool. at 17. I didn't even know what charismatic was or community or any of that stuff. I was just raised in a parish. I did come through, you know, Antioch youth group. My mom yep. and dad were an Antioch couple. So I knew that and we'd run weekends in, in out my little regional town. Yep. Um, but I heard about this thing called NET in big, scary, big city Brisbane, which isn't, you know, that big, but it was big to me. <laughs> and I, you know... I came, I came to do net and, uh, the formation, I think what net does really well, they've taken the best of community living and, uh -huh. and evangelization formation and they form and train and send young people mm. around the country. And I mean, you know, that it's in five, six, seven different countries now. Um, so really that was the springboard for my uh call up until now 30 years wow. ago this year um to to give my life to youth ministry in a lot of ways even though i do do community leadership and pastoral care and all of those things for me it's always spearheading with the young person you know with that person who's thinking about their life and what do i want to do with it and who do i oh. want to be and how do i want to impact the world and forming and growing them uh, to be all that they can be um, huh. and stay in the church. You know, that's, yes. that's what I've done as a, a mum as well to make sure that every time things might get hard in leadership or in youth ministry, when I really think about it now, it was my the love of finding a home or making a home for my children in the church that urged me on mm. to make sure, well, if I don't build this, <laughs> if I don't keep renewing this, where else can they live out their faith? Can they uh, do that? This is a wayward uh, answer to your question about the conference, but the conference is really, it's 20 years old. It started with a big dream. I always say Emmanuel community, as I was telling you before, we hit, we punch above our weight. We're a little community, but we dream uh -huh. big. We have big dreams. We're so optimistic and <laughs> say crazy things that my light and lighting and sound guys always get up me and say, don't know what you're saying that you want to do. <laughs> and I have to like pull it right back. <laughs> uh, but, but we had a guy who um, at the time had a passion that we wanted to be uh, that our worship ministry wanted to be the next, you know, the the best Catholic Hillsong, 
You know what I yes. mean? And they yes. were running a conference in two in two thousand or something it was. And he came along and he said, Let's run a create a youth and creative arts conference. And so we started that in two thousand and one. We had, I don't know, hundred and sixteen people or something in a little hall in a church. And then uh, the next year we only had like eighty six. Then the next year we had the hundred and fifty. And then it just kept growing. Um, and in 2005, I think I was running a lot of the youth stuff then, but yes. then in 2005, me and my co-leader Luke, um, took on the whole conference and have been running it ever since. And it's growing and growing and growing to about, you know, 1500 people per city. And wow! look, the big audacious, you know, hairy goal thingy is to... <laughs> You know that thing. It's to, to, you know, yeah. The the B hack. The Jim Collins thing, you know. Is <laughs> <laughs> to you know run an ignite conference in every capital city in Australia. Wow. Eight week journey, man. That's the dream. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so um. It's so beautiful. What's fun too about what you said, and it's neat that you knew the numbers. So we started, and say hi to Luke, by the way. Luke, hello to you. I forgot Luke. I forgot I all about Luke, of course. Um, but you know, you started with 116, and then you did it again. It was 86. And doesn't that scare the daylights out of people? And isn't it easy to quit? But you didn't quit. Sometimes things dip, and we we learn and we grow. And, and to go yeah. from 16, 116 to 86 to 3,000, you know, and two. Cities like that's, uh, you know, that doesn't doesn't come to life without a dream. And so, and so there's a charism of helping the youth, or not helping the youth, of of ministering to the youth. And you know, the community itself was young, and there's this ownership, and then there's these pipelines, and uh, there's this. It must be discerning of gifts that you talked about earlier, and and making sure that you have the right people in the right seats on the bus. I'll give that uh, nod to Jim Collins as well. Uh, and, uh, all right. <laughs> hey, right. This is a leadership podcast. You got to talk about Jim Cole. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> that's so cool. And so that event that I was at that night, the Ignite yeah. Youth Night, what was that relative to what happens in yeah. the run of a year? So that was our monthly praise and worship night that we have. Uh, so you can't, I guess for me, you can't have a conference and throw a bunch of young people in a setting that they don't, aren't used to. Uh-huh. So, uh, the monthly praise and worship nights, the weekly youth groups, the, um, you know, those events that we run year, that group of people, they're our youth group. They're our uh-huh. young people who... I, you, you know, they become used to being in that space. So they become our core group at Ignite Conference. You know, they're the ones that are like, come up the front and march and jump up and down to these Jesus songs. This is cool. <laughs> and and other young people see that and then they're going, I want to be part of that. I want to be, I want to be part of that group. There's something about them. They're like family. They're like cousins, you know? Yeah. I want to be, how do I break into that? <laughs> you know? Right. And that, and I and I think you know Ignite Youth has a tagline, uh, not just changed for a day, but transformed for life. So, 
things like Ignite Conference, our teenage summer camp where we have 240 teenagers every year go off to camp for four days. Uh, when we have Ignite Launch, which is at a theme park and we stay behind when the, you know, um, gates close and have a dance party, which is really a, you know, give your life to Jesus rally. Um, they're our change for a day, or, you know, events, the encounter yes. moments, the big mountaintop moments. But then uh, I like to call the rest of our ministry the transform for life ministry, you know, the, the young adult group the high school youth group, the monthly praise and worship nights, they're the transform for life. That's the discipleship. That's the journey. That's the forming of Christian life and knowing that they're not alone. And, and that's where the real work, you know, some may say it's a real work pulling off a national conference, but the real work uh, <laughs> is the yeah. transform for life ministry <laughs> that, um, is our bread and butter, you know. Can you say butter again? Butter. <laughs> butter. <laughs> it's, it's the regional girl, I'm sorry. I love it, I love it. Um, if you talk to someone in WA, it's, it's a different, more English. <laughs> none of you are, trust me, I talk to all of you, none of you are. You just think you are. That's, that's awesome. That's it, that's it. And, and so what I'm hearing, Again, in, in what you're saying, the story you're telling me is is that, yes, those national conferences, aren't they something? Isn't it wonderful that we can reach all these different people and bring them together? But that doesn't happen by itself. Like, there's a whole process of raising up others. There's a culture of raising up others. And you have all these different platforms within your weekly uh, weekly youth groups. You have your high school groups. Then you have your monthly praise and worship. Like, these are all platforms to to develop people to acknowledge invite them into things and grow them isn't it yeah exactly and that is the that's the pipeline because you know who you choose to come through the ranks and do the talk at the uh -huh. theme park or the the serving at the theme park compared to um, a person who might be speaking at youth group to a person who might be speaking at the monthly praise and worship nights to then on the stage with 1500 people it's, uh -huh. it's that ability to help them try out those roles and find where they fit and when you see them along the year then you're like wow i think you're ready for ignite conference because ignite conference for me is again it's our, we call it our flagship event ignite yeah. conference and and that's best foot forward what i say to everyone is this is not having a go you have a go at Ignite Conference. Yeah. This yeah. is the best. And it's not like I deserve the right to have a go and be on stage. It's like, uh. no, this is the best. And I unashamedly do that as a leader because I'm so passionate about uh, one of our values is professionalism and innovation. And if we don't, you know, the bishops have always said to us, keep setting the bar, keep setting the bar, set the bar high to inspire. So if, you know, because people can look at that and go, well, if they can do that and they tried it like that, maybe we can. Uh -huh. I mean, really the value is to find new ways of preaching the gospel, right? Ways yeah. that we can relate. We have, a, again, another catch cry in um, Ignite Youth is real world evangelization. You know, uh -huh. I'm just so passionate about being real. I mean, I'm 
even founded a ministry called Real Talk because I'm just so passionate about being real. It's something about being real that changes lives. It's true. Literally. <laughs> if you're just you, you know, I tell, I talk to other people all the time. Like, I don't want what you can do. I want you. I just want you to be authentically you. Just be you, man. <laughs> yeah, right. That's the same message for priests and bishops. Was a, when we're when we're diving into this leadership stuff. Yeah, it's like, boy, you're not gonna find it. You're not gonna find this next gear in a book. It's actually yeah. inside of you, and the only person that can access it is God, and he wants to bring yeah. it out. And it's just when we can trust God that he made us on purpose and that we have value just like, and that we can grow to have impact that exceeds our wildest dreams. Like, now you're living oh. in faith. It's just so fun. And what I love about what you're saying, like, I, that's one of the reasons I love using Alpha in parishes because the leadership pipeline, oh. if done well and intentionally, can be built right into the whole process, which changes the whole church. And what I'm hearing with Ignite Youth Ministry and what you're doing, it's the, those same principles that work, the intentionality behind what you're doing, the, the eyes to see people of capacity of what they could do if they were developed and nurtured. Oh, boy, oh, boy, out of a church that's 250 big. Like, like, come on! You said you had you sent two hundred and forty teens camping for four days. It's like, well, is that everybody but ten people? And you're like, I know you don't get them, all. but but it's, it's, everyone wants to come. It's fun. Everybody's a teenager except me and my husband. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> all the leaders are like, we're coming. We're bringing our family. I'm like, we need more leadership camp happens. <laughs> right? You know. <laughs> but talk talk about being a a missional community, like, like. What wonderful examples of being missional. Um, are, are there any other areas, this is an interesting question, and, but are there any other areas within Emmanuel where those principles of, of raising up leaders, identifying people, having pipelines, using platforms, like that 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 applies? Like... Yeah, so, I mean, we've got the worship ministry, which is, you know, the sound of our whole community in a lot of ways. Uh, they write original music and every year they put out songs ready for the conference, but the community goes on the journey. And wow. so right. you've got these creative people who are writing and dreaming and, that you know, they have their their pipeline as well. And again, we cross over because we're the same community. Yes. But they have their that structure as well. We have... Um, Emmanuel City Mission, which is our homeless shelter, where we run our weekly mass on a Sunday. And their their pipeline, you know, the great thing about serving in a homeless shelter is, man, we need all the gifts. You need right. you need someone to serve the food, but you need someone to de-escalate. There's yep, a couple of bouncers. And, yeah. <laughs> and everything in between and the incredible pastoral care that um, Robbie Curtis does there at Emmanuel City Mission in unbelievable that guy is like a prophet <laughs> it's just you know he's leading leading in a way that is so um incredibly raw and Ooh. challenging <laughs> and um generous attractive as well yeah. like it's just you you're either drawn to it or you're scared by it and and everything in between so Wow. Yeah, that I mean, they're our, they're our, I guess, what we call our outreach ministries. But as you know, uh, manual worship 
is our worship ministry. They yeah. exist not for themselves. They exist for, it's like the Bible. They're the, they're the front line, you know, they're leading with, with worship. If we don't have worship, we're not a community, worshiping community. Right. So. Wow. That's cool. Who plays the organ in that worship band? No, organ. Oh, okay. Forget it. I'm not bothered. <laughs> Sometimes organ You just sound. lost me. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Mainly piano. <laughs> There's a couple of times you've used the word spearhead, and it reminds me that Pat, your husband, wrote a book called Spearhead, and and I I want to apologize to him uh, on record. Uh, I asked him for a book. He said I already gave you one. I said no, you didn't. He said yes, I did. I said no, you didn't. Give me another book and sign it. And so he did. And I got home, and sure enough, I have two. So sorry about that, Pat. Oh. Ah, uh, now you've got one to give away. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> You're going to have to get the book, everybody. It's a really good book. Um, yeah. You know, when I think of youth ministry, first of all, I, I tremble. I, I'm not called to youth ministry, thankfully. Uh, although I, I love young people. I do have a couple of kids. They're older now. But uh, I say that all, I actually love young people. Uh, they do intimidate me slightly. Mostly because they don't respond when I talk. Like, I talk to adults and they respond. I talk to kids, man. My self-confidence, I maybe just isn't high enough for for those grade eights. Or I, I don't know. I I I, I do. <laughs> I feel the opposite, honestly. I'm yeah. like, put me in front of teenagers. That's just like so real. <laughs> <laughs> Nicole's like that too. She's a she's a tutor, and she's so good with young people. I love it. I remember. I gotta still tell this story. It's so funny because, but I was asked to speak to a group of young people in St. John, Indiana, at the, at the school. And so I did. And, and I've talked to that age group before, and, and I know what I'm in for in terms of audience feedback. Um, I've never watched a zombie movie, but I think I got the point. And so uh, as so you have a talk with these people, and, and they're lovely young people. I was that age once, obviously. And, uh, and so you finish, and you think, okay, that was not very helpful, but, but I did what I was asked to do. And, and so the principal asked me, is there any follow-up that you want to have done? And I'm like, oh. Nobody ever asked me that. I said, yeah, it's, I would love it if when you get in class, just maybe ask people, what's the one thing you're taking away? And uh, and so I'm thinking, I don't even know what they're going to say. I, <laughs> and she sent me their answers. And I cried. I didn't think I was getting through. I I had no wow. idea. And the stuff they took away... I, I thought, oh my gosh, like, I they're just my favorite people in the world. All of a sudden, I just didn't know that that. that they, yeah. So anyway, they're 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 all amazing. But when you look at um, youth ministry, so many churches struggle with it. You know, they're just not that good at it. But I haven't met a church, church leader, church community who don't have a heart for it. Like they oh. want to love the youth, they want to impact the youth, but they don't know how. How do you go about, and this is probably some of your training with Nat and then all the years of experience, but what's your what's your philosophy when you look at young people and, 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 and maybe yeah. the call? Yeah. I think, you know, 30 years ago when I started, someone said, you know, young people, the fu- you know, the future of the church or the church of tomorrow or something like that. Right. Um. And I think I've changed my thought process that young people are the church of today. Like they're, you know, if you invest, if you look at an investment, you look at a young person, 
they've got years and years and years and years of the future. So uh-huh. the investment to invest in young people is a smart investment, right? Just logically sure. speaking. Uh-huh. Um, but I think if we look at youth ministry as just it's about young people, it's just about the teenager, it's about whoever it is that you're trying to reach out to. Um, and you look at it as an isolated ministry, you know, this is just, I'm reaching young people. Youth ministry is about young people. Uh, it is. But like my favorite word, the spearhead, we're spearheading with young people. But for me, a young person isn't an isolated system. So when I talk yeah. of system, I think of my training in family systems therapy, right? There's a system. My family is a system. But the young person is not a, a an, an individual system. They have all these, they're part of systems within systems. First of all, they're part of the family, the mum, the dad, the brother, the uncle, the grandma, um, the brothers and sisters. Then oh. they're part of uh, their neighbourhood community. Then they're part of their school community. They're part of their parish community. They're part of their sporting oh. community. There's so many people surrounding and influencing that young person and what they think about life, what they think about themselves, what they think about uh, faith, what they think about God. And so if you're going to reach the young person, you have to reach the people influencing them uh, because otherwise you're just going to be one. You're going to be one yeah. of the systems, but you want to be the system within the system. It's a holistic way. I mean, if you read church teachings about family, it's all about the you know family being the first educators and then the church coming alongside them and you know it, it talks about the the parents develop active relationships with other people who can help them is what it says uh-huh. we're the people that can help the parents and so when i'm training my youth workers uh, i'd say to them you do not replace the parent our goal is not uh-huh. to replace the parent it's to come alongside the parent and in fact it's evangelize the parents as well, you know. Uh, I've had parents who have come to faith, who come to our Alpha program, who are now members of our community because their child came to the youth group, came to Ignite Conference, and then that parent gave their gifts to Ignite Conference as a nurse or, you know, in first aid or in running around catering or, you know, something. And then like, wow, my child brought me to faith, you know. Uh. And, and it can happen both ways. The child yep. can bring the parent and the parent can bring the child. But uh, if we look at it as, that's why Ignite Conference, a lot of people, uh, when we first go and run Ignite Conference in the city, they're like, wait, isn't it a youth conference? I'm like, well, it is handed with the youth ministry and with young people and aimed at them as the first people. But... This is a conference for everyone. This is a conference yeah. for all the people who are involved with that young person. It's a conference for mum and dad and the youth worker and the school teacher and the parish priest and the, you know, whoever. Uh, it's for everyone. We want everyone at Ignite Conference because wow. that is where the real power in evangelization happens. Everyone has the same experience and that common experience. Springboards, a bunch of conversation, a bunch of you know, future discipleship, really. <laughs> there was a, a statistic I heard recently that I thought, oh, I didn't know that. And I got thinking about it. And I started thinking about my friends who are still engaged in the church, but it said the average the average person um, 
commits to faith, like really commits, like a deep transformational commitment uh, around the age of 13. I thought, wow, wow. Like, and I think about myself, I was 15 and my, my, everything changed. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I had that change for a day at a weekend yeah. retreat that my mom invited me to go to. And that's Pretty where, fa- that's where I met <laughs> Father James. We we're on the same weekend at the yeah. same table. And, um, and it changed everything. And, you know, it didn't mean life was simple and I made all kinds of great decisions right away. It took a while to grow into the call that God had on my life. But boy, I can tell you, I know exactly where I was standing. I know the day. Uh, yep. Yep. And so it's like, wow. So the work that we do with young people and is so important. It's so important. And I love what you're saying. It's like, don't look at it as, you know, we do youth ministry, so there's youth ministry as a silo. You're saying no, that's a there's systems here. Let's 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 in, let's let's be intentional about the system and the impact we can have on that young person. What what support systems do they have in their life, and how can okay. we use that as a gateway into impacting these other areas of influence? Yeah. And I mean, it can be hard when you're a youth worker or a school youth worker when you're by yourself and you don't have a whole team you know most parishes might you're 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 either volunteer or you're 10 hours a week (laughs) um and you don't have a lot of resources you don't have Uh a lot of much of anything um and i remember going from being in a team you know doing two years of net one on a local parish one is traveling around really retreat ministry and uh-huh. then I'm like, I'm ready as a youth worker. And I got a job as a parish youth worker, a single parish youth worker. And I, the first thing I thought was, where's the team? Like, it's me. That's what everybody <laughs> that's works not... with a church says. Where's the team? I can't team? run a drama. <laughs> I can't run a drama. I can't run a little kid. I can't run small group. It's just me. Yeah. How do I do this? And then I remember sitting there going, right, well, this was the first time. This parish had never had a youth it was 1996. I think I was the fifth youth worker employed in the whole of the diocese. And everyone was trying to figure out youth ministry. One guy had been doing it for five years. He was like the guru. We all sat down and went, how the heck do you do this? <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're all trying to figure it out. I was sitting there going, well, I'm just going to get the parish census. And I'm going to find out every single person who is between the ages of 10 and you know, 18, and I'm going to say, hey, I'm the youth worker of the parish. I'm going to be at church at 9 a.m., come and say hi, or 6 p.m., come and say hi. I'll have pizza, pizza for classic, you know, youth yeah. ministry food, pizza or pasta, uh, and, you know, c- come meet me. I just literally did that. It's like just pick up the phone and start ringing the young people and introducing yourself. That's all I had. I had me and my my potential relationship with them. <laughs> All right, I gotta ask you because I know you guys do strength themes or strength finders at at, at, at Emmanuel's. Do you know your top five? I do. What are they? Activator. Yeah. Number one. Uh, individualization. Number okay. two. Belief. Uh, communication, and connectedness. <laughs> Love it. And so the activator in you went, yeah, I'm going to take this bull by the horns and I'm going to yeah. make it happen if I have to. Yeah. That yeah. is so yeah. cool. That and I say so... that when, when youth workers start and they go, where do I start? I'm like, 
pick up the phone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> These days yeah. it's probably text, but you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no, the first, yeah. <laughs> Snapchat, just a sec. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Instant message. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Whatever works, but get results. Yeah. Right. That's so neat. It's so fun to see. Yeah. I, I remember being impacted by, uh, by a guy who was a police officer and, uh, man, he had a charism for youth ministry and it was so gravitating. I just loved him and his family he had three kids, I think. And we'd go to his little apartment and with his wife and three kids and he'd have, you know, Sunday school there and we we're teens and just the stories. I just hung on his every word. Love the guy. He had a disproportionate impact on young people for most of his time as a as a cat, committed Catholic man. And then at one point he just figured he aged out and so he stopped. And hey. I don't know what he did after that. But uh, years later I saw him at an event, uh youth event with a whole posse of young people with him and, you know, his hair's white as mine. And oh, like, Dan, like, what are you doing? Like, what's going on? It's so good to see you in youth ministry again. He said, yeah, I, I tried to get away from it because I thought that's what I was supposed to do. He I said, but... It's my charism, and I didn't know if I still had it. And as soon as I started doing it again, the young people flocked to him. Yeah. I just thought, oh, it gives me goosebumps, actually, because some people have that capacity, and, and, and we might feel like we have to m move on. It's like, no, I don't think you do. I think you have to continue to be fruitful. I think you have to continue to do what you're doing, Kim, and that is raise up all kinds of other people around you, get get very strategic and intentional, and just create a movement. I, I remember one time... Because we were teaching people how to have leadership pipelines in their ministries, and we we're at St. Benedict, and and uh, and we had this one guy who was so good. I just he's so good at implementing all of these principles. And then one day I asked him about, "Hey, how's how's Eucharistic ministry going in your team?" He says, "Well, I don't do it anymore." And he looked very proud. I was mortified. I'm like, what do you mean you don't do it anymore? He's like, "Well, I got the whole team set up, and I turned it over." And I'm thinking, yeah. "Why?" Well, is that what I'm supposed to do? I'm like, no. <laughs> we miscommunicated. I wanted him to continue to take those principles Damn. and just continue to influence and grow and nourish and, and bless. And 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 so, you know, when somebody has a charism and they're growing, there's I think there's all kinds of ways to continue to stay involved at high levels and grow and just mobilize all kinds of other people around you. I think that's the fruitfulness of long-term okay. leadership in an area of influence is that what are your thoughts oh absolutely and the t you're right the timing i mean first of all you've got to get over yourself that it's not just about you right like if if someone comes along and goes so who have you got in the pipeline <laughs> it's not saying um you're not a great leader it's actually you are a great leader and if you stop doing this we're, we're going to be you know I can't really say what I want to say on, on this podcast. <laughs> you probably could. <laughs> but but... We're not going to be in a great way. So sure. you probably need to make sure that people can do what you can do or at least, you know, can figure it out. Yeah. And so you just, you just start, start taking people along. I think it took me ages as a young person and as activator. Uh -huh. So I love, love doing, I love yes. doing, you know, yeah. thinking, doing is thinking, man. Like it's just, <laughs> what I do. And I think I've also realized is I don't want to do it by myself. It's not fun doing it by yourself. Right. And so when I 
see young people, uh, I, I say, what do you, what do you want to do? Do you want to do this? Can you do this? Can you do this? And people are like, oh, but, you know, maybe you're giving them jobs and they might not feel loved. It's like, yeah, but it's known and needed. It's not, you're just needed. <laughs> You've right. got to be known and needed. And so uh-huh. I, you know, and that's a, then that's that, that delicate balance to make sure people do feel both. Um, but even now with Ignite Conference, like when I became the director and was still the coordinator, I had to sit down with the team and go, I am the director and the coordinator now. There are certain things I won't be able to do. I can't, I can't put the headphones on and lead the rallies (laughs) and call the main sessions like I was. I now Uh need to network with a bunch of leaders. I can't stay in this space. I can't not think about what's going on outside and what's going on in the main session. So you've been doing this with me for 15 years. You're going to call the rallies now. And everyone was like, what? And, (laughs) you know, slowly, and even to the point where people were away for three or four years and they came back. And then I put them in, I'm like, you know how to call the rallies. You're going to call the main session. And everyone's like, wow. And then I remember even last year, you know, I had this incredible guy who flies over and helps me run the sessions. Um, and he worked on my staff for years and years. Uh, and he just slipped, you know, yeah. slips right back into to leadership. And every and he's a, an incredible leader. And there was this really, really t- young kind of, you know, 20-year-old. And she hadn't seen me the way that he'd seen me. She only knows me as uh. the director. Right, but this guy knows me as the Ignite Conference coordinator, who can run all this stage and lights and creative stuff and write the schedules and call the be the show mm. caller, right? Yeah. And so we had this alter, little altercation, me and this guy, and he's just <laughs> back in where I'm the show caller and he's the rookie, right? And I pull him, I pull him aside and I go, "You're not the rookie, and I'm not the show caller." She's the rookie. You're the show caller, and I'm the director. But I said, you you can do something that I can't do. You've uh, seen me in this role. I don't have the credibility as the show caller to this person that mm. you have as to me as the show caller. You know that I can do this, but if I come in and talk about something that she's never heard me talk about, she's gonna be like, "Why is Kim the director talking about show calling? Like, does she even know anything about this job?" <laughs> And so I said to him, this is where edification comes in. And I've been preaching to my team about this the last, Uh, you know, two years. This is a chance. When there's three people, there's a chance for edification. There's a chance for uh, you to edify me as the director to build trust, to say, you know what? I learned stuff from her, not because I'm like, oh, I want to be affirmed. Affirmation and edification are different, right? I don't need anyone around to be affirmed. I just need the person affirming me, but to be edified, there needs to be three people, one listening. (laughs) Right. And that builds trust, you know? She's going to trust me more and go, oh, I didn't know that about you. I didn't know. I'm going to respect that a little bit more. I'm going to respect her a little bit more as a director because she isn't in that role, but she knows it and she might come in every so often and, you know, gently guide. But if she doesn't know that I knew it, she'd be like, why is she here? Right. So I said to him, you is, are the only one who can do this. You're the only one who can um, uh, empower her and empower me. Huh. You're the, you're the middleman. 
And it was great because he came back to me later and he said, I never thought about that before. I never, I don't think I did. I mean, I wouldn't have used those (laughs) terms that you just did as if I should know that. I didn't know that. That's actually really good. That is so great to me, too. That is so cool. And it makes sense. I, you know, there's the, we all have these different platforms and be intentional about how you use them to raise up others, not just to build up yourself. And, and so again, a leadership principle when applied makes everybody better. And, you know, and cause I said to him, I have edified you. I'm like, this guy's mm-hmm. going to come. He, I trust him. He's awesome. He knows how to do this and this and this. I'm going to edify him in front of the team so that when he arrives, everyone trusts him. Everyone's like, he didn't talk huge about this guy i'm ready to trust him i'm ready to follow him i'm going to do whatever Mm. he says and they did and so i said to him i've done this for you now you need to do that for me because i'm not working as closely with that person but i still need respect i still need to be able to do my role and not feel like i'm coming into someone else's face so you just keep passing it on you know that edification so it was an incredible insight for both of us because i think as i was saying it i was like getting it more right <laughs> like yeah this is this is not action is this is the theory yeah. right. <laughs> and it worked it, and everything changed from that moment we're only halfway through our first conference at that time and we've got two uh, weeks of living together and it worked because from that there was a switch from that moment on huh. he felt more empowered she felt more empowered i felt more empowered win 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 <laughs> oh, i love that so this is so fun. Maybe this is a great question to kind of wrap up on. As you look at the leadership, the waves you evolved over the years, you know, if you were to take, I don't know, a couple of learnings that are two or three of the biggest learnings that have shaped you and formed you, what would you say they were looking back? So I think the first one is that every person has a place regardless of their age or stage. And each age and stage brings a gift and a power that the other ages and stages don't have. So I was an incredible game master when I was 17, stand up on a chair and run the best, you know, Simon Says there is to a group of kids. Now, if I tried to do that now in my 40s, I'd probably fall off the chair or hurt my back or something. (laughs) I went on that stomach hand and that little 11-year-old is homesick. The 17-year-old leader or the 20-year-old leader's voice of reassurance doesn't quite cut it as much as someone my age who says, right. you're going to be okay. You know, uh-huh. I I have, that's a gift I can give now that I couldn't give before. So uh-huh. ages and stages would definitely be, you know, like that guy you're saying, your, your friend Dan, you know. Uh-huh. And it, I, there's no expiry date for youth ministry. <laughs> it's a no. calling. And uh, young people don't really care about your age. They care about are you real and authentic? And do you care about me? Do you see me? You know? Uh-huh. So, so that, that's the first thing. Um, the other thing I'd probably say is lead like you. Because I took a long time. I mean, you know, in the early 90s, there wasn't a lot of women leaders. And I was uh-huh. leading with a lot of pragmatic um incredible men but but not a lot of of female leaders there was probably one that i could aspire to be like and Uh, all of us girls aspire to be like her uh, um but 
there were visionary leaders, there were um, strategic leaders, there were, you know, so many. And I wasn't any of those. And I remember thinking it took me a long time to embrace my leadership style. And I remember reading a book, I don't know which book it was, one of the leadership books. Um, and, it, and it had different leadership styles. And I did the test. I came up as a relational leader and I read it. And I was like, this is a legit style. I didn't even know. <laughs> I don't have to change. You I just need to be more like me. That's awesome. Yay. I was like, oh, that is a style. I'm not weak. I It took me so long. I thought I was a weak leader for a long time. Uh, um, and, and eventually I realized every leader has different styles and embrace that style. Um, and then, oh, look, there's so many. But I think... The other thing I've learned is a leader doesn't need to have to do everything and know everything. They just have to know somebody who does. <laughs> and I don't need to know, like if I go to my lighting guy and I say, I want these things that drop at this moment on this beat of the drum or whatever in worship, I don't need to know how they're going to do it. They know how they're going to do it. If I spend time working out every single person's role and how it's done. I'll never do what I need to do. <laughs> but I need to know someone who knows how to do it and trust mm. them to do it in their style and in their time, not mine. <laughs> and that that's a lesson that um as a young leader, I you know, I was like, I'm a I'm a activator, so I'm like, do it now, not two hours before the event, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Well, I had this lady, she was incredible, creative, art and environment. She's my art and environment uh, prayer experience person. And she loved to do things two hours before the event, at the event. She bought everything and she bought it all and then she set it all up and it was amazing. But wow. uh, my stress levels was <laughs> right. like a week out because I'm like, uh, I can't, like I need, I need you to do it for me. And then when I realized, she has delivered every single time, two hours beforehand. Bye. This is her style, and it's brilliant. <laughs> there is a different way, in a different style, and that's okay. And she <laughs> taught me that lesson. <laughs> How nice of her to do that for you. <laughs> I think there's, I think there's pills for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! It was oh, that's so beautiful. I, I bet you. You know, it's just fun. It's so fun, Kim, spending time with you again, and, and you're just a joy. Uh, and yeah. I, I can imagine how many young women uh, that you've been that person for them, that that other lady no. was for you, you know? A lot of grace. Hey, I hope so. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. Well, listen, thanks for being on the show today. I, I think, I think you know, as somebody just in the conversation with you, just pulling myself out. I, I, there's just so much joy and conviction. I've heard uh, so much commitment and willingness to grow and evolve and to dream big. And it's, you know, it's, you know, and, and guys, like, as you're listening, this is a community of 250. Yeah, <laughs> like, put it into perspective. And so, and no yeah. more excuses from any of us anymore. But no, we all have our different ways of, but but I, I hope people are leaving inspired today. Um, thank you. I, I'm so grateful Thank for you, you guys. Yeah, perfect. Thanks for listening. <laughs> and so for all of you that have been following along, please uh, hit the thumbs up if you're on YouTube. 
uh, give a review if you're listening on Apple iTunes. And uh, please feel free to, to send forward any questions or if there's any leadership topics, whether it's church or business or whatever it is you're wrestling with that you'd like us to address, please let me know. Or if there's somebody that you think I should get on the podcast, you can let me know that too. God bless you all. And thank you for listening. Keep doing what you're doing. God bless. I want to encourage you as you lead this week, be faithful to God and generous to others. See you next time. And remember, if you're still breathing, you are powered for impact.